Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we explore the timeless wisdom of the Bible and how it can apply to our lives today. Our goal is to empower you with the tools you need to grow in your faith journey, and that's why you can access Pastor's Notes in a snap. Download the Walking by Faith app today to follow along. Hey, I want to thank you for being with us today. And we have got a tremendous, tremendous blessing with us today. We have Rabbi Jonathan Kahn with us. Uh, His newest book on the return of the gods, Jeannie and I read that book and we were just absolutely amazed. And we've asked him here today to share on this subject. I want you to open your hearts and I believe God is gonna speak to you about what's happening in our world today. What I want to open up this morning is a mystery that lies behind everything that is taking place around you in America, in the culture, what you're dealing with in one form or another, the transforming of our culture. In many ways, it's going to explain the whole phenomenon. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And the thing is that, is it possible that the figures that the Bible speaks about as the gods, the false gods, it wasn't just mythology, that there was something behind them? Something, something actually real, a spirit real. What would happen if they were now in our modern world, in our culture? Could they be the agents actually transforming it? What if they lie behind what we see in our television screens? What's happening in our government? What's happening in our schools, the transforming of our children? What do they have to do with you? What is their agenda? What is the future? Is there hope? What lies ahead? What do we need to know? And that is why I was led to write The Return of the Gods. And that is what it reveals, not only to reveal, but to strengthen you, to arm you. Because if you're in a fight and you don't know what you're fighting, chances are you're not going to win. And if you're in a fight and you don't know the power you have, the thing is people in your life are dealing with this. Everybody is dealing with this. So if you came here, i got to say this beforehand. If you came here this morning to hear a politically correct message, you came to the wrong place, wrong service, and wrong speaker. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be eternally correct. So be open if you're from whatever spectrum you're from because in the end, we're going to stand before God. And the only thing that's going to matter is not our culture. It's going to be gone. It's the truth. That's all. What were the gods? In ancient times, the world was filled with the gods. Every nation, every land worshipped these things. The Bible gives us the first clue of the mystery that many believers miss. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, Those who worship the gods and idols are actually worshiping something called the Shadim. Now the Shadim in Hebrew doesn't mean mythology, it means spirit, entity, with will, with volition, a being. In the Psalm, Psalm 106, it says they offered up their children to the Shadim. Now when the ancient Jewish scribes had to translate that into Greek, Shadim, It went into the New Testament as the word daimonia. We get the word demon from it, demonic. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the Gentile or the pagan world is is worshiping the idols and gods, he says they're worshiping the spirits. The word is daimonia. So behind the, the gods of the ancient world, a mystery, are entities, are dark entities. And so behind that, that is what they were given to. So if the gods represent spirits, And the pagan world was given to the gods. They were given to the spirits. They were indwelt by them. And so pagan culture has all the signs of demon possession that the Bible speaks about. 
It's amazing when you look at it, when you look at the high priests or the oracles or the worshipers, they all have the, the signs of demon possession, the shaking and trembling and foaming and babbling, all that. So the whole world was under this, but then something happened. What happened to all this? What happened to the gods of Rome? Jesus happened. Messiah happened. He came into the world and he had the power to cast out the spirits. And he sent the gospel, the word of God, not just to Israel, but into the pagan world. And so there came a clash, the power of God into the lands of the gods, the, the spirit of God into the lands of spirits, monotheism versus polytheism and pantheism. And that's why there was such conflict. That's why in the book of Acts, you said that woman, that slave woman is following Paul and she's possessed and she's harassing them until he cast it out and then all hell breaks loose. In another city, they want to kill the disciples because they say they're threatening their goddess. And then you have the great persecution of Diocletian. And you know how it started? He sent to one of these oracles, these women who were possessed by the gods, possessed by the spirit, and she told him, go ahead with it. Go ahead. And so the greatest persecution is actually linked to these spirits. And actually what happens is, in the end, the gospel prevails. And the temples of Zeus become empty. The shrines of Dionysus are abandoned. Interesting, because the oracle of Delphi, the most famous one of these women, right, says that it's all dried up. We can't get any revelation anymore because of the gospel. There was, it was cut off from the spirits. The gods were gone. But if behind the gods are spirits, then it wasn't just the departure of the gods. It was the greatest mass exorcism in human history. And that's why the West has been so different because it was exorcised while the rest of the world was not. But everywhere the Bible, everywhere the gospel went, there was a form of this exorcism. But spirits don't die. So what happened to them? Now comes the final key to unlock this mystery. It's in a parable given by the Lord. He said, if a spirit comes out of a man, it goes wandering the earth looking for places to dwell, goes to dry places, doesn't find any. So the spirit says, I'm going back to my house. Talking about the guy, calls it my house. So he goes back to the guy, finds the house, the guy, clean, swept, empty. Says, I'm gonna go back, bring seven other spirits back to the guy, and they repossess the man. And the Lord says, so the latter state is worse than the former. Now you hear that and you think it's about a person. Well, it is, but really more. Because at the end of that parable, the Lord says, so it shall be with this generation. Not just one man, but an entire culture can get, can be influenced by the spirits, can become possessed and can be delivered and can be repossessed. So here is a warning, a prophetic warning to the modern world. When you take this at its most global application to America, to the world, it's this. Any culture, any civilization, that has known God, been delivered by God, cleansed of these things, if it should ever turn away from God, if it should ever empty itself of the spirit, the power, the gospel that cleansed it, that delivered it, those spirits that were cast out of it will come back into it. The ancient spirits, the same ones that were cast out in the beginning of the age will come back at the end of the age. The Shedim, the Daimonia, will return to the house, to that civilization or that nation, that culture. Pagan gods will come back, in other words, to a 
culture that have been cleansed, a Judeo-Christian civilization, and their aim will be to take that Judeo civilization, the Judeo-Christian, and turn it into a pagan one. The process of paganization, it will be a repossession. And if you want to understand the craziness, the irrationality, what's been happening to America and much of the world, the bizarre changes that make no sense, this is what's happening. And remember what the Lord said. He said the last state will be worse than the first state. So in other words, it means that America or the West, if it turns away from God, it'll be worse than a culture that had never known God. You see, a pagan culture can produce a Nero, but a post-Christian culture will produce a Hitler or a, an Antichrist. For a nation that has known God, a Christian, a quote Christian nation, a nation that has known God, to turn away from God is a dangerous thing. And it's now happening in America. It's now happening in our midst. We're all dealing with it. It's happening in the world. So which gods, which principalities would re lead in this return? Well, the answer's in the Bible. When Israel turned away from God, it turned to other gods and became subject to them. There were three in particular that epitomized the fall of Israel. In the return of the gods, I call, I call them the dark trinity. That same dark trinity has now come into the world, into America, to do as happened to Israel. The first is called the possessor. His name meant that. His name means the Lord, the master, the owner, the possessor. In Hebrew, that word is Baal, we call him Baal. In ancient times, it was this spirit that turned Israel away from God into a pagan nation. So when this spirit, if we start turning from God, this spirit comes in. It's going to seek to turn America and the West away from God and into a pagan nation. How could that happen? How would he come? We would have to have opened the door. Well, we did. In the early 60s, it's exactly what happened. We said, we're going to start removing God. One step, next step, next step, no big deal. Well, it was a real big deal. Because what we're going through now comes from that. We said, well, just take the word, take prayer from the children, from the schools. Take the word from the schools. Just not a big deal. No, very big deal. Because if you take God from the children, you're taking God from the future of the nation. And you want to understand everything that's happening, it all began there. It's the same thing. It just got more. If you, and if you take God out of the schools, the, according to the, the warning of Messiah, the house or the school will not stay empty. And so you take God out of the schools, something else is going to come into the schools. It has now come. You take God from the children, something else is going to come to the children. It has now come. And that's all that was needed for the spirit of the possessor to come. So what, did, what happened in ancient times? What happened in the Bible? He warred against God. He drove, the spirit drove God out of culture, out of its public squares, out of its, out of its, out of its life. That's exactly what's been happening to America. Step by step, it has not stopped. In ancient times, Baal caused Israel to turn away, overturn the commandments and ways of God. Well, that's exactly what's been happening in our midst ever since then. In fact, you know, Israel turned away from the Ten Commandments. We have literally struck down the Ten Commandments. The Bible says Baal caused Israel to forget God. So the spirit of Baal returned in modern form has caused America to forget God and to forget it ever knew God. Think of the America that was. 
before, say, the 1960s. In America, if you can imagine it, where the nation's secular, secular teachers in the secular school system taught the children, led the children across America in the Lord's Prayer. Where on television in prime time you had the word of God being preached. Where the biggest movies had names like the Ten Commandments, King of Kings, Quo Vadis. We can barely remember that America. And that America could never have dreamed of this America. That is the, the process. What has transformed us is linked to the spiritual realm. What has been happening in our midst is a re-paganization or a repossession. And what came in as a new morality, you know, enlightenment, you know, we're just going to be open. It was actually an old morality. Actually, it's a pagan morality. The spirit of the possessor is behind all these things. We don't even realize it's behind wokeism. You see, when there's one God, there's one truth. But when there's paganism, there's many gods, and so there is not one truth. There are many truths. Truth is relative. So we have this new spirit in our culture, which is there's no real truth. Truth is relative. Or everybody has their own authentic truth. If a man says he's not a man anymore, he's a cat, that's his authentic truth. And we have to respect it and treat him like a cat. Well, that is the irrationality. That comes from this. Let me give you another example. The Bible says when they the pagan world worshipped their, their idols. They were, they, were, they were serving the works of their hands. When Paul on Mars Hill speaks to the pagan world and he, say, he speaks of the idols, he uses an interesting Greek word. He uses the word techne. We get the word tech from it. In other words, not that technology is wrong, but when a civilization turns away from God, it will end up serving the works of its hands. It will end up serving its own technology. It will become bound. It will become addicted. It will become a servant of its own technology. And that's exactly what's happened. In fact, especially the children. But it also says they will become like what their idols. They will become like it. Well, we're watching a technology that is actually becoming more, taking more the powers of humanity, while the people who get caught up are becoming more like machines, less human, less relating. That's exactly what the Bible says. There was one sign of Baal above all others in ancient times in Israel and the world. And you know what it was? He was represented by the figure of a bull, a molten bronze bull. Could that ever appear in America? Well, it already has. Go down to New York City, kind of where the harbingers are, and you will see a massive molten bronze bull. That is the sign. They didn't know it. They didn't know what they were doing. But that is the sign in the Bible of a civilization that has known God, turned away from God, and turned to this spirit. In fact, Baal was linked to prosperity. You think, well, well, we'll, we'll pray to him and we'll, be, we'll get financially prosperous. You know, our, our financial prosperity is called a bull market, a bull thing. That's all goes back to that. Now, there's so much more. I'm just going to give you a taste of, of what's in the return of the gods, but I want you, you'll get a taste. Here's the, here's the next thing. We go to the next of the dark trinity. The Bible says Baal, notice, Baal is always first. Then come the other gods. And most often, the next thing that comes is a goddess. This is the second of the dark trinity. It's a she. The Bible says Baal, and then says Ashtorah. Very, Ashtorah was known as that in the Bible in Israel, but she was one of the most ancient spirits in the world, and ancient goddesses in the world. She, in, if you went to Babylon, she was called Ishtar. If you went to Sumer, she was called Inanna. If you went to Greece, she was called Aphrodite. She is the goddess or the spirit of unbridled sexual lust, immorality, gratification. She was a prostitute, a harlot. 
In ancient times, she sexualized pagan culture. Notice the Bible says, Baal, second, Ashtorah. Interesting, because that's exactly what happened to America. First came Baal, turning away from God, and then, like clockwork, all of a sudden, the realm of sexuality was overturned, because that's exactly what would happen. Baal, then Ashtorah. She transformed sexuality. Her mission of this spirit is to paganize a nation that has known God through the area of the realm of sexuality and marriage and gender. And so that all happened. And it all happened in the name of enlightenment, but what happened was actually pagan. Everything that changed in that area was replacing Christian biblical values with pagan values regarding sexuality. A prostitute takes sex out of marriage, and so that's exactly what happened to America. A prostitute weakens marriage, puts sex in the marketplace, that's exactly what happened in America. Our culture has become sexualized, our children have become sexualized, and so at the same time, a prostitute weakens marriage, and so look what's happened to marriage. Look what's happened to, to families. That's no accident because it's all linked to this spirit, and it has not stopped to this day. At this, and, and the same time, in the, in the land of Greece, they called her, they said, you sacred prostitute. They called her sacred prostitute, except the word for prostitute in Greek, what they called her is the word porne, which we get the word porn. So it's no accident, you all of a sudden, we have an explosion of pornography. This spirit, this, the first pornography in the world on planet Earth was her literature her imagery all over. So it's no accident that we are being, that people are being addicted to this all over the world. And that America that once spread the gospel to the world now is the number one spreader of pornography in the world. At the same time, she had a son in Greece. Her son was called Eros. We get the word erotic, erotic culture. Now there's so much more to get into, but just to mention a few things. Number one, she was also the goddess of casting spells like a cult. And so, and so all of a sudden we have another revival. You know what the other revival is? The same time sexual revolution is Ouija boards, astrology, fortune tellers, new age. All that is of the occult. You know that today there in America there are more witches than there are Presbyterians. That's where we are now. At the same time, she's also... She's also behind intoxicating substances, so we are more addicted now to substances than we ever have. And there's much more, but we gotta move to the third of the dark trinity. In the book, this one is called The Destroyer. This is the principality that causes parents to offer up their own children as sacrifices. Could that ever happen again? The pagan world was filled with human sacrifice and the sacrifice of children. If you were a child back then, it was not safe to be a child in the pagan world. When Israel turned away from God, what do they do? They begin offering up their children as sacrifices. The only thing that brought child sacrifice to an end, you know what it was? It was the name of Jesus. It was only the gospel. That tells you how right your faith is. The only thing, and it was all over the world, but the ancient warning he gave that if you turn away from, you turn away from God, the same thing, that same spirit's coming back. So in other words, the destroyer is gonna come back to our culture. Moloch is gonna come to America, and that's exactly what happened. Just like clockwork, first Baal, turning away, then the goddess, the enchantress, you have this, you have the sexual revolution, and then at the end of the, of the 1960s, beginning of the 70s, all of a sudden, we start offering up our own children. That's not an accident. 
That is not, they said, oh, it's enlightened. No, it's not enlightened. It's the lowest form of paganism. Israel offered up thousands of children. We have offered up millions of children. Remember what Jesus said. When it come, they come back, they come back worse. Now, we won't go into it. We don't have time. But in the book, I looked at the ancient elements of child sacrifice. And you can see them now. I'll mention just one. You know which children were offered up more than any other children to this? You know, it was the children of the poor. So it's no accident today, the, the children who are offered up in abortion, it's the children of the poor. Do you know that the people back then, they actually considered this a sacred thing? And do you know the most radical abortionists, the most radical or radical feminists, they call abortion a sacrament. They call it a sacred thing, a sacred, a sacred sacrifice. And you know what happened to, um, to Israel? Because of this, Jeremiah said, you're gonna be judged. So what will happen if we don't turn from this? Now, we gotta go forward, there's more to this. I looked into the, the ancient inscriptions of Mesopotamia and I found something very interesting about this second, the enchantress, the second one. She says in her inscriptions, it says, I am a woman. And then she says, I am a man. In the ancient writings of Babylon and Mesopotamia, it says, you are the one who turns a man into a woman and a woman into a man. It's no accident that this has now come into our culture. This is the spirit of androgyny, the spirit that takes a, that says, that blurs the lines of man and woman, male and female, boy and girl. It is the spirit in our culture. Now you see, it could never have gone in earlier because it was too radical, but once the spirit starts taking possession of a culture, once the sexual revolution has progressed, then it moves to this stage, the darker stage. One of the ancient inscriptions says, she grinds away the masculinity of men. You already know this spirit, it's all in our culture. It's a culture that rages against men, well, that's what this goddess did, rages against them, and seeks to remove them from their calling as fathers, as husbands, from manhood, as protectors, as providers. The culture is at war with it and also seeks to feminize them. At the same time, the other side of the coin, the goddess turned women into men. So the spirit comes into our culture that seeks to blur the lines, actually eliminate what womanhood is, defeminize women, masculinize them, take them away from womanhood, away from marriage, away from motherhood, away from life, away from men. Because the goddess was actually female but with male characteristics, so she's seeking to make women in her image. And by doing so, to destroy them. It's not an accident that there's a movement now to actually avoid, eliminate the word woman. But her, her powers went deeper than that. She had a mysterious priesthood. They were men who filled her, walked around her temples. They were men who dressed up as women. And parents would take their children to see the men in women's clothing perform for them. If you see that happening again, know it's a sign of where you are. And remember what Messiah said. When they come back, they come back worse. In ancient times, she sought to possess a, her priesthood. Today, she's seeking to possess an entire generation of your children. The gods are always after children because if you get the children, you've got the nation, you've got the future. So it began by taking prayer out of school, God out of school, and look what has now come in. Look what has happened. But it goes even deeper. The goddess not only, it says she dresses men as women and women, but she does more than that. It says she turns them. One of the things she did among her priesthood was to have her 
male priest surgically transitioned, transformed to be as women. I even found an inscription that describes the transition men dancing before the goddess with scalpels as if to celebrate their transition. And it's happening. They were celebrating it. And now adults are doing that to children. I don't care where you come from. If you don't realize that is wrong. There's so even liberals are saying this is crazy. When you, you know, people are saying what it would possess somebody to do this to a child. This would possess them. There was one event that began this entire movement that has altered sexuality and gender. And by the way, I want to say this. Such were some of you. Every, all of us are in the same boat. No matter where you came from, no matter what your, your, your background is, God loves all. But we also must stand for what is right. There was, amen. There was one event that began this whole movement to transform everything, marriage, sexuality, the pride movement, all that. It happened at the end of the 60s, same time with an uprising in New York City concerning a same-sex bar called Stonewall. From that has come the entire alteration of sexuality. On the night that the riots began, something strange happened. The ancient mystery manifested, and we don't have time to get into it, and, and I, this is what I all wrote about, but the, the amazing thing is the signs of the goddess actually appear in New, on the streets of New York City in that, what happened in that time, on that night. It included something called the lion's head. One of the signs of the goddess actually appears. It included the dance of Ishtar. In the middle of this whole uprising, the men start dancing and they start saying the same words that are said of the goddess's women in her writings. Even the name Stonewall comes from, is, is in the mythology of the goddess. The, one, the goddess was called the storm, the storm. Well, the woman who actually triggered that night is known to be called the storm, same thing. It's all part of this, but even the timing was part of the calendar of the goddess. But the work of the goddess, of the spirit, has affected the entire culture. Let me give you just a few examples. The ancient inscription says that the goddess was the goddess of parades. So she's the goddess of altering sexuality and also the goddess of parades. And so she had parades all the time in the ancient world, and the parades every year, she would have men dress up as women. The spirit would lead them to parade through the city streets. Women dressed as men through the city streets. Great color, celebration, sexual immorality, licentiousness, and the bending of gender. Does that sound familiar? In the ancient world, in the calendar of the year, the goddess claimed one month to especially possess the culture. And we had, had all the processions going on. And so what was it? Well, this was happening when the gospel was in the world, when, it, when the age began, so Christians were aware of it. 2,000 years ago, we just have a short memory. So I looked at the writings of St. Jerome, and St. Jerome identifies the month. He gives the Latin name. It says it was the month of Iunium, or in modern English, the month of June. June was the month of this, of the, of the changing of gender, celebrating the changing of gender. Why? When you turn away from God, everything returns to where it was. She was known as the goddess of pride, so we have an entire month called the month of pride. And as the spirits return to their house, so they return to June, the house they once possessed. The goddess was also linked to a sign. You know one of the signs she was linked to? The sign of the rainbow. You wonder why the rainbow is all over? You wonder why the rainbow is actually replacing the cross as a sign of our civilization? It's a mystery because back then it was linked to the goddess and linked to the altering of sexuality. 
In her mythology, she was, you know, here's, here's the thing. I gotta say this. The rainbow does not belong to this goddess. The rainbow does not belong to a movement. The rainbow belongs to our God. The rainbow belongs to God. But the interesting thing is this goddess in her mythology is known as the one who steals what belongs to other gods and uses it against them. So those, and you know, there's a whole mystery here, I won't go into it, but every color of that rainbow they use is actually has a meaning. And it's a dark thing, and they don't realize what they're doing. But for everyone who uses this sign, they don't realize that if they knew what was behind this, there's a mystery here, they would have second thoughts. It's linked to the possession, of the goddess's possession. Now, could the mystery even touch the Supreme Court? Well, the time that the goddess especially claimed every year was, I said June, but it was particularly the end of June. The last days of June are linked to the summer solstice, a real pagan time. And so there were three Supreme Court decisions that have altered sexuality, altered marriage, as we know it. They happened over a 12-year period, ending with 2015. I won't go into detail except to say this. The first one took place in June, the end of June, days of the goddess, summer solstice time on June 26. The second one, 10 years later, took, took place end of June, days of the goddess, June 26, same day. The third one, which was the striking down of marriage as we have known it, took place June, days of the goddess, end of June, time of the summer solstice, and June 26th, the exact same day. Now, it wasn't that the Supreme Court knew this, it's just this is the way it happens. And one, on that day, you all remember it, mostly remember it, when marriage was struck down as we know it, an altar that night, that president lit up the White House in the colors of the rainbow. It's like the goddess saying, I have America now. That night, on the ancient calendar, it was the 10th of the month of Tammuz, the 10th of Tammuz. That's what legalized that a man now marries a man. On the ancient Babylonian calendar, it, that day was ordained, listen, for the casting of a spell to cause a man to love a man. That is the day the Supreme Court changed marriage. What is the agenda of the gods? What is the spirits? What's the end game of the enemy? They have come back with a vengeance. You see, they were cast out of the ancient world by the word of God. So what would they do? They're tr that's why they're trying to cast the word of God out of America. They were encroached by the gospel, by the church. Their, their worship ended. So they have, they have a target on you who are a believer. They, they have a target against you. That's why there's a rising spirit of hostility to believers and religious freedom. Their, their shrines and temples were shut down, so if they could, they would seek to shut down the church. And as they once were cast out by the name of Jesus, Yeshua, they are now seeking to cast that name out of Western civilization. When the gods first come in, when the spirits come in, they do so step by step, in the name of tolerance, openness. So that's how they came in. It was everything goes, do your own thing. You don't hear that so much anymore. Because once they get in, once they get established, once they get in power, everything changes. And the gods move from everything goes to nothing goes except what we say. It goes from tolerance to cancel culture. And that is why we have a culture now because they, the gods always seek that every knee shall bow. Once they, it's only to, tolerance is only to get in the house. Once they get into that Judeo-Christian house, it's now every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess, everyone will celebrate with us or they will be canceled or they will lose their job or they will be deplatformed. All opposition as in Christians who uphold the word of God or conservatives who seek to keep things as they were, they will seek to cancel. 
This age began with a war of the gods. God versus those gods, Christians and Rome. Well, that war is back. This goes right into end time prophecy. What does the Bible say about the last days? It will be a time of deceiving spirits. Men will become lovers of self. Immorality will increase. People will be without natural affection. They will persecute the people of God. Well, it's back, guys. It's here. Not only, but I gotta throw something else, too. There's another thing the Bible says about the end times. It says, in the last days, there will again be an Israel in the world. And the nations will come again. There will be controversy over Israel. Well, it's back. It's back. We have to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the thing is, we have to pay because God said it. He will prosper. He will bless you. But that, but you know, just a little note. I'm going to talk more about it tonight with everything, the, the mystery of where we are now. But the thing is that when you see all this happening, don't get discouraged because the very fact that there's an Israel in the world, the very fact that there's a conflict is what the Bible says. That's what it will be. That's where we are now. This, what we have spoken about, what I've given you a little glimpse of this morning, is a mystery behind all that's happening. You're dealing with it in some way. People in your life are dealing with it, maybe more so, even so. But so now, what do we do? What do you do? That's what I get into the last part of the book. Because this has everything to do with you. Remember Gideon. Gideon had to stand against the gods. He had to stand against an army of en the enemies of Israel who worshiped Baal, the possessor. But he could not do it until he did something. You see, Gideon, in his backyard, there was an altar to the god Baal. So even though he was someone who loved God, and because there was an altar, he had, a, he had a smash that altar. And then once he did that, he could become the great man of God he was to become. So in our lives. If there's anything in your life, a stronghold of the gods, anything joined to their altars, any idol, anything that's not God you're putting first, money, success, pornography, indulgence, a habit, addiction. If there's any stronghold, that is linked to these things, these principalities. And the thing is, you gotta break it. You gotta, you gotta say, that's it, no more. I'm gonna smash that altar. Break it, break it off. Do what you have to do once and for all, starting today, and God will raise you up. God will anoint you. God will embarrass you. And listen, the other thing is, We've all been dealing with this barrage for years and so many believers are on the defensive. So many pastors are not speaking about it anymore because they're afraid. So many believers don't want to speak because they're afraid and they're compromising their stand or just not knowing what to do. They're on the defense. We're not supposed to be. Listen, we are not the first to deal with this. In fact, through most of Bible history, the gods and the spirits have been the rule that the people of God had to deal with. They're back now. But the people of God, you, you cannot be intimidated. You cannot be on the defense. You cannot be afraid. You are the one to stand because you have something greater. You are to stand against the gods of your age. Moses stood against the gods of Egypt. Elijah stood against the gods of Canaan. Daniel stood against the gods of Babylon. Jeremiah stood against the god Molech. Paul and the first believers stood against the gods of Rome. Now it's our turn. Now it's your turn. If you're born again, you got to stand. If you're born again, I don't know if you knew it, but you are a child of Israel. You are grafted in. You are a child of Israel as much as I am. And so the, 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 the thing we have from Abraham on is you've got a calling to stand for God against the gods, against the idols, against the sacred cows. Be strong about it. Be bold about it. This is your moment. If the dark is getting darker, it's time for us, the lights of God, to get even brighter. You see, these are the days. What's happening? The grays are disappearing. So what's happening is the dark is removing the gray to get totally dark. 
That means it's time for us, the light, to remove the gray from our life, the compromise to get totally bright for God. If the dark is getting darker, you gotta get brighter. You gotta get brighter. And the days of great evil are the same days that produce the greatness of God's people for those who will stand. And if the bad is going from bad to worse, okay, it's time for you, the good, to go from good to great. These are the days that actually produce the greatest ones. You know, it's one thing to be a candle in the daytime. That was a Christian culture. That's not, that is not there anymore. Now we are the candle of the night. It's a little harder to be a candle in the night, but the candle in the night will light up the world. Do not fear, people. Do not fear the end times. Do not fear it. God called you into existence for this hour. If God didn't want you in the end times, he would have put you in the Middle Ages. You wouldn't want that. He put you in the end times because he has called you. He appointed you. And if he appointed you, he will anoint you. And if he anoints you, he will empower you to do what you're called to do. Listen, some of you have prayed, oh Lord, Lord, I wish I could live in Bible times. I wish I could. Congratulations, you made it. Welcome to Bible times. You're in it now. You're in it now. These could be the most exciting of times for the one who will stand strong for God. You know, this is the, you know the book of Acts? This is the sequel. You know there's a mystery. One of the mysteries is that in the end of the age, everything will return to where it was at the beginning of the age. And so notice how this is played out. You, at the beginning of the age with Jesus, you had Israel in the world, Israel's back. You had Jerusalem, Jewish people, it's back. You had a world culture that was anti-Christian pagan. Well, it's coming back. But if everything's going back to where it was in the beginning of the age, it's time for us to go back to where we were, which is the book of Acts. It's the power of the book of Acts. You have what they have. You have to stand as if you were in the book of Acts because you are now. And you have something more powerful. You have the spirit of the living God. Live, but you gotta live by the spirit and you'll be powerful. Walk by the spirit, overcome by the spirit, fight by the spirit and you will prevail by the spirit. See, when Israel crossed the Red Sea, Moses wrote a song. He wrote a word, and the song went like this. It went like, he said, Mi chamocha be'elim Adonai. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? In other words, there is nobody like our God. There is nobody, and that is for you to say to, that our God is God. There is nobody like your God. There is nobody, there is no, he's stronger than any God. And the name of Jesus, Yeshua, is stronger than any name under heaven. It is stronger than the God. By that name, the gods were actually cast out of an entire civilization, and you've got that name. You are named by that name. It is powerful. There is no God like our God. There is no king like our king, and there is no savior like our savior. You've got the honor. Listen, I've got the honor. You've got the honor to stand when it really counts, you know? You know, back then when everybody was saying they're a Christian, it didn't mean much, but now when you say, no, I am following Jesus, it means something. Let the chips fall where they may. You, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Your God is so much stronger to give you victory over every darkness. In the name of Yeshua to rise, you know, he drove out the gods. You have the power to drive out that darkness you're dealing with. And if these are the days of Baal, Ashtorah, and Malak, these have to also be the days of Elijah. If these are the days of Elijah, it's time that we become the Elijahs of the day. 
It is not a time to fear or compromise or be silent. The world tells you to shut up. Speak louder. Shout louder. Let God do it. He'll do it. It's time to take your stand in boldness, and it's time to stand against that spirit that has been trying to oppress you. It's trying to discourage you, compromise you, hinder you, intimidate you. It's time to, to the one who seeks to make you stumble and addict you and enslave you. It's time to stand against that darkness, against the habit, against the temptation, against the gloom, against the fear, and say, no, no more. I will not bow down to you anymore. I will not bow down to your bondage. I will not bow down to your sin. I will not bow down to the darkness. I will only bow down to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Yeshua. You have no authority in the name of Messiah. I say get out of my land. Get out of my nation. Get out of my house. Get out of my life. Get your hell out of my life, for greater is he in me than you in the world. Great is my God who is God in the name above every name, the name of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, the glory of Israel, the Lion of Judah, the King of all kings, and the God above all gods. Amen. You know, we talk about the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. It's God speaking to you and to me. It's the will of God, and it is absolute truth. And we say the Bible has got the, gr the great answers to life's questions, and, and it is true. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me give you a couple of them. The Bible says, what is your life? Think about that. What's your life? Somebody say, well, my life's my family. Somebody say, my life's a wreck. Somebody else might say, my life's my job. Somebody else would have the answer, well, my life's going nowhere. My life is, is my spouse, my kids. But the Bible answers the question. And the Bible says, what's your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. You know, in the North Country where we live, it's cold in the winter. And you go outside and you breathe and you see your breath. And in two or three seconds, it's gone. And the Bible says, that's what your life is like. In light of eternity, your life is just like a vapor that's here and it's gone. Another question from the Bible, what will the end be? Someday your body will wear out and die. And when that happens, what is the end going to be? Well, the, the Bible says it is a multiple choice, but it's only two choices. It's A, I'm going to spend eternity with God in fellowship with him in a place we call heaven, or I'm gonna spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that's called hell. A third question, a jailer comes to a man named Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers that question and says that you need to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other Savior. There's no good works I can do. I can't pray enough or give enough or fast enough. Nothing that I can do can make me right with God. But Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood, and paid for your and my sins. And the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them, he gives the right to be the children of God. So I want to pray with you, and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. So I want you to repeat this, make this, these words your own, say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. 
I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom now, today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you're right with God. Now, I've written a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge, and all the information is right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, congratulations, you're on the path to one of the best decisions of your life. Need more info? Our team at Walking by Faith is ready to answer your questions. Get your free copy of Pastor's book, Your New Life, just as he mentioned. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv to have it mailed to you, download it instantly, or listen to the audiobook. Find all of these options on our app too. Packed with practical advice, this book is your guide to living a life full of faith. Claim your free copy today. Don't just watch. Be an active participant in bringing the hope and healing of God's word to the world. Partner with us and become a beacon of light in the lives of others. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE to make a difference today. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give to explore your giving options or click on the giving icon in our app for a convenient way to contribute. Need prayer or want to connect with us? Simply scan this QR code to send a prayer request. Download our app, read our weekly devotional, and more. We pray to ignite a spiritual revolution, spreading the light of Christ and ushering in a new era of righteousness and hope. We'll see you next time. Until then, be blessed.